Reed Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming on in with your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. We've got you covered for the next two hours with a good football Friday show. It is our penultimate football Friday show before the season gets underway. Nice, penultimate. I like it, Jody. Like it. (laughs) Yes, we like it because that means the season's getting close. Uh, And uh, first thing first, our condolences to our good buddy, Mike Gill. His Mountaineers went down last night with a lead seven and a half minutes ago. Ball at midfield. Supposed to win that game. Uh, couldn't get a first down. Watched uh, the opposition go the length of the field. And then a picked off pass late in the game by Daniels uh, leads to a victory. Sorry about that, Mountaineer fans. Love rubbing salt in the Yeah. Moves. Well, uh, my issue with that game, and unfortunately I didn't get to see it, but it should be played every year, college football people, who's ever in charge. That's a perfect example of the mess they've made and all the conference changes and all the things. And you lose those great rivalries. And how soon is Keydon Slovis in, back in the first round of the draft, Jody? Yeah, how, how, how quickly? Yeah. Uh, that, uh, I, I'm probably too much of a geek when it comes to judging college players for the NFL and a quarterback more than any other I didn't think Keaton Slovis could play when people were talking about him being a first-round draft pick. And I thought it was stone-cold nuts, and yeah, he's kind of proven that out to be just one man's opinion. Bigger game. Pitt, West Virginia, Pitt, Penn State. Well, I, I think for here, it would be Pitt, Penn State. I think in Pittsburgh, I think it would be Pitt, uh, West Virginia. Um, really? Over Penn State? Yeah. Uh, that's... Uh, but you know, I I I'm not in Pittsburgh 365 days. I get the feeling from talking to people I do know out there that that's the bigger rivalry of the bigger hatred. They're both big. Okay. Right. It's sort of like um, you know you can have more than one rival. But you know now, what's that? The first game in 12 years. The 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 backyard the backyard, backyard brawl. brawl. Um, so maybe it's changed, but I get the sense that from the locals out there, there's more visceral, uh, dislike for, uh, West Virginia. 
Maybe you know more Pittsburgh people than I do, but I, I would think of Penn State as the uh, Dallas Cowboys to the Philadelphia Eagles of Pitt Penn State rivalry, the in-state thing. Yeah. Even though well, geographically, yeah. maybe back, maybe back in Joe Pa days, maybe you're right. Maybe, um, you know, I don't, I don't. Things have changed, so. But it well, could you be. Got, you got to go. You got to go. Like you just said, you got to go back ten years to last time either one of them, yeah. any of them played. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, that's it. That's the biggest shame. It'd be nice to have them both. How's that? It'd be right, nice to have uh, them both. But you got to play. Oh, and the Big Ten's only getting bigger, so there are going to be less chances for Penn State to play nine conference games against rivals anywhere else. So not going to happen. But our condolences to our good friend Mike Gill, who watched his Mountaineers go down in flames last night. Um, all right, J Mac, uh, you sent me a text earlier in the day. I'm glad to hear that Howie Roseman is listening to Birds 365. Uh, I happened to mention on yesterday's show that the 49ers had released Trey Sermon, a running back who I liked a lot coming out of Ohio State, was a third-round draft pick. I thought he was at least a second, if not a bottom of the first-round draft pick. Couldn't believe he dropped as much as he did. He had one mediocre year for the 49ers last year, but they had a stacked backfield uh, that he wasn't able to get a ton of quality time. But when he did, he was okay. He put up okay numbers this year for the 49ers, and they got in a bit of a roster crunch, so they had to uh, put him out there on waivers, and the Eagles were uh, smart enough in position to be able to snack him up. Uh, so we've been wondering, would the Eagles really go into the season with only four running backs on their active roster for the first game? We now know the answer to that question is no, because <clears throat> Trey Sermon's going to be part of the mix when they get him up to speed, because it's going to take some time. You and I yesterday here said we we both love these uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, acquisition, but you've got less than two weeks to get him up to speed. Well, Trey Sermon won't be asked to do as much as a rotational back, but can I get him up to speed in nine days? Um. Well, if you can get a defensive back up to speed, you should be able to get a running back up to speed. Um, so... I mean, it would be an easier position to plug and play, at least in theory. Um, but I think that that different. I I think the Eagles need uh, C.J. Johnson. He's expected to be a starter. Um, I think that's more of uh, more of the reason why he's going to be on the field week one. And Nick basically confirmed that when I asked him yesterday. Oh, he's going to be out there, as we we both assumed. The question is not that he's going to be out there. The question is, is he going to be ready to be out there? Um, in the case of Trey, I mean, he's he's a backup. And, you know, um, so I don't think there's any concern about getting him ready uh, for week one. And Miles Sanders was out there so everybody could breathe a sigh of relief. How many times I get that question over the past two weeks? Precaution, 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 precaution. He was back at practice yesterday, looked completely fine, dancing with Jalen Hurts. So he's ready to go. Um, yeah, they don't need Trey Sermon right away. They need C.J. Johnson right away. Right, different comparison. One's going to be asked to do a lot week one. The other one, and probably unless there's an injury, you're going to be asked to do very little in uh, week number one. And although he's a big back, and if Eagle fans don't remember seeing him play either last year for the 49ers or for – Ohio State, or for Oklahoma, because he's one of those transferring yeah, types. And he, he played with Kennedy Brooks in Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, former teammate of Jalen Hurts. Um, he's got size. 
they list him at only 215. He seemed bigger than that to me when I saw him in uniform last with the 49ers. Um, because uh, when uh, you and I as uh, assistant general managers and all our fans on the stream who like to uh, believe that we can outguess Howie Roseman and or Nick Sirianni on how a player is going to be used, I wouldn't call him a, a power back that he's got the size. You would think that he could be a power back because he runs with his pads low enough and he's got good uh, beef attached to him, but that wasn't his game that I saw on a collegiate level or the few carries that I saw with him for San Francisco. But I, I believe that if they told, that's what they work with him on. That's what we want you to do. We want you to move the pile, run between the tackles. I think he can do it. Is that the role you see him in with the Eagles as a power back guy, John, or is he going to be given a chance if he can perform the same way a Boston Scott can uh, to actually move into the number two running back slot? Um, I think he's going to be given an opportunity uh, to move into that number two running back spot, and then it'll be up to him as far as um, I haven't seen enough of him. I, I don't know his style of running probably as well as you do. Um, he does have more size than the Eagles running back, but that doesn't mean, you know, we were talking about Jamal Singleton about this uh, when he talked to us in, in training camp. It, you know, doesn't mean you run like a big guy <laughs> uh, or vice versa, because he was talking about Boston Scott, who had uh, tremendous success at the goal line last year, just sort of had a knack for it. Um, so there's a couple things. So he's not Jordan Howard type big, um, you know, but he's bigger than what the Eagles have. You know, he's got some talent. I think it's worthy of a dart throw. He was a third-round pick. Now, I am concerned why the heck he's out there uh, one year after he was a third-round pick. Um, read some stuff from John Lynch yesterday, and Kyle Shanahan talked to some people, texted to, uh, some people in San Francisco, and um, he lost out to an undrafted rookie. Um uh, so that's, you know, kind of a concern. But I also know, Colin, you saw it with – with Jimmy Garoppolo as well, like he'll sour on a player. And I think that's what happened here quickly. Um, and, and hopefully the Eagles will um, be able to tap into some untapped potential, but they were looking about trading for him. Turns out, uh, you know, probably seventh round pick, I would imagine, but the, how he, you know, kind of rolled the dice and thought he wouldn't have to because he saw the landscape. He saw they weren't going to keep five running backs. They originally kept five running backs. Um, and sure enough, they claimed the uh, offensive lineman and, and they put him on waivers and the Eagles were able to get him. So calculated gamble again, working out for the Eagles. By the way, they also got Davion Taylor back. So another calculated gamble works out. Um, so how he's really good at that stuff. Um Worthy of a dart throw is how I would describe it. Agreed on all fronts and how he has this offseason played the roster game. That's been all of what these last four days are about. It's on the general manager and his staff to calculate who you want to cut. You got someone on the fence. Can we let him go? Can we get him back to the practice squad? Can we wait on a guy that he's going to get cut like a sermon? Now he's pushed all the right buttons. You got to give him a ton of credit uh, for that. Uh, quick aside uh, before we jump back into the Eagles. 
Kyle Shanahan uh, souring on somebody, then why the hell is Jimmy Garoppolo back with the 49ers? If he quote-unquote soured on him, why did they do the deal that they did that they felt they just had to get something for him and nobody was offering nothing? I, uh, as much as any other roster move uh, during the last couple of weeks, what surprised me most is Garoppolo back to the 49ers. I just didn't think that was doable. Is that a, a general manager, big foot in the coach thing? No, I, I think it's Jimmy accepting his lot. Remember the contract, you know, they weren't going to pay him his contract as a, as a backup quarterback. The, the surprising part of the whole thing was, when when they were looking to trade him, you saw a couple times Kyle kind of throw him under the bus, and yeah, you know he's not going to be here at all, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and and then when he so from that standpoint, you say, well, why would Jimmy want to come back when the head coach is throwing him under the bus? So you have that part of it. You have the part that obviously he doesn't want to take a pay cut unless he has to, uh, which ultimately he had to. And then from the 49ers perspective, I think it was, and, and to their credit, you know, he's a bad starting quarterback, but he's a really, really good backup quarterback. So, you know, things shift. Um, and if you can repair that relationship, and who knows if it's repaired completely, um, but he's a really, really good backup quarterback. So it completely shifts the mentality and they don't have a proven starter. So it's good to have a a good backup when you don't have a proven starter. I'm just surprised the way Kyle, and, and you know I like Kyle. We've been doing this show long enough. But I like Kyle as a schematic guy. Um, some of the other parts of the job, managing personalities, things like that, he's not as good at. He's He's sort of. He's a young guy, but he's sort of got that old school mentality. Obviously, his father was in the league forever. Um, he's been around the league forever. He's got that corrupt personality. Now that Mike Zimmer's gone, he's probably the corruptest head coach willing to say, you know, you know, this guy's this. And he did the same thing with Trey Sermon. Same exact thing. You know, he wasn't ready to play last year when he got an opportunity. And there's a third. That's the 88th pick in the draft. Gone the right. next year. One year. Now you see that in certain cities where there's been a change in in regime, new head coach, new GM, they'll cut a guy. You don't often see the 88th pick in the draft going in year two. Um, so he's, you know, he overreacts to to certain things. And when you get in his doghouse, you're in his doghouse. Hopefully Nick Sirianni connection, all that, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully he connects with this kid because he's got talent and and maybe it works out for the Eagles. And you mentioned the Eagles were also able to get Davion Taylor back onto the practice squad. If they had lost them, it would have a comparable year, a couple more years on the actual roster, but third round pick by the boards certainly before his rookie contract runs out is looked at as, Ooh, maybe that wasn't the best of picks, but at least they've got him back onto the practice squad. And he was a weird guy, John, because I trust you with this because you're down there at practice every single day. 
you were singing his praises pretty good at the beginning of the, oh, yeah. uh, like summer that Manny looked good in camp and noting that he got runs with the ones before Nicobe Dean did, that they were bringing Dean along slowly because he was a rookie. And uh, apparently, uh, supposedly, Dad Taylor's experience was elevating him. And then they played in the preseason games and he just was not yeah. good. And that's why he was released. Uh, and that's why we- I said yesterday on the show, Jody, that to the Eagles, the preseason games only matter if you play poorly. Because yeah. they don't care if you play well. All the splash plays, Devin Allen, Jason Huntley, they don't care. But if you show up and play poorly, like Davion Taylor did, then it then it hurts you. It hurts you dramatically. Yeah, it was pretty significant drop-off. Um, and don't take my word for it. There are a bunch of other reporters there as well who are saying, you know, Davion looked great those first two weeks, those first 10 days maybe. Um, great. We were like, wow, look at this guy. Uh, and then the game started and just 180. 180. Yeah. You, but you, you got to be able to make plays with pads on. That's kind of a key yeah. in the National Football League. Uh, it's great when but you they got him back. Good. And hopefully, you know, well, see, you never see if, know. They might need him. They might they need can him down continue the road. to coach him up. All right. And one other big uh, happenstance yesterday at practice uh, Andre Dillard going to be out for a period of time non-displaced fractured arm um they're definitely going to put him on the ir uh but the early reports were not season ending maybe somewhere around mid-season a six eight week injury uh somebody's got to replace him on the active roster what way they going johnny mack who's stepping in for your boy dillard as the main backup at left tackle i would think it's got to be LaRaven clark um, you know, they got him back on the practice squad, a uh, veteran guy, uh, has played the position quite a bit, you know, when, when Andre was down with a concussion, Jordan was down with a concussion at the exact same time in camp. They tried Josh Sills at left tackle. I think that's one of the reasons he's on this team because he, you know, he put his head down, he worked hard, he persevered, but it wasn't great. Um, Coyote Awasika is on the practice squad. He played left tackle in college, but the Eagles have pretty much, and he played left tackle when those guys were out, but they mainly cross-trained him at guard. They think he's a better inside player. Then you have Driscoll, but he's never played left tackle. He's only played right tackle. Um, I think you got to go LaRaven Clark, um, and that's a big drop-off. That's what we're saying with Andre Dillard. Um it's nice to have that insurance policy, but now it's gone. So hopefully right, Jordan Mylotta stays healthy. Let me ask you about one other name, because I was interested to see if you put him into the mix. Sills made this roster. It's kind of a surprise to Jordan McDonald. Yeah, I said Sills. Uh, did you say Sills? Yeah, Sills right. moved there. I said that's one of the reasons he, he made this team, because... Right, um, you said it previously, but you didn't say it today. I asked you to run down... No, I just said it two minutes ago. I said he was the first name I mentioned, Jody. No, Josh the first Sills. name you mentioned was the LaRaven Clark. Uh, no, uh, the tone be our referee. Uh, well, it might have been. I mentioned Sills m- moved to left tackle. Uh, when John mentioned Sills, there's tone. Um, he moved to left tackle when they both had concussions, Dillard and Mylotta. Um, and that's one of the reasons he made the team. He persevered. 
And I think Jeff Stoutland had uh, tremendous respect for that. But he didn't play well at left tackle. He's not a left tackle. So um, I don't think that's the way they're going to go. But that's, yes, that's one of the reasons why uh, Josh Sills made Sills this team. made the team because you said he's more of a, I remember you saying previously on previous shows, more of a guard tackle rather than a guard center because they don't need the other center because they got Kelsey and they got uh, Beef Jerky. So that made a lot of sense to me as to why they would keep Sills but that they really have enough faith to put Sills at tackle is the question I'm asking you. I do not think so. Not in a real game at this stage. Um, and that's why if I'm a betting man, I'm going LaRaven Clark. Um, they kept him on the practice squad for a reason. They didn't have to bring him back. They were able to get him back as a veteran player. Um, he He's a natural left tackle, not a, Great natural left tackle, but he's a natural left tackle. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDowell. We are your Mac and Mac guys. So the Eagles get another back to add to their stable and get the active running back number to four. I think it kind of needed to be at four. So good job out of Howie Roseman. But they've got to do some juggling in the reserves on the offensive line with the Dillard injury. That's the updated news from Eagle Camp. But we also want to look at the big picture because we are now just nine days away from getting this season underway. Here to lend a helping hand with that coming up in just a couple of minutes is our pal Joe Santa Liquido from Leading Green Nation, writes for us here at jacobsports.com as well, and also some Bleeding Green Nation mixed in there. Have laptop will travel. We're glad he's traveling with us today. Joe Sandler Liquido up next here on Birds Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny, 
We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Football Friday here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. Joining us, if he's done reading, uh, is our buddy from Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, he does uh, contributions for phillyboys.com and us at jacobsports.com, Joe Santa Laquino. What kind of shirt you got on there? What's that uh, shirt my, say? My Maxwell Club shirt. Who, what? Maxwell Club. All right. Ooh, Maxwell Club. Oh, very nice. cool. I thought nice. it looked kind of like a uh, game warden shirt that you're going. By the way, I got to apologize to Joe. I'm sorry I haven't gotten back to you. It's been a rough week. I've been turned on uh, the television this week, so I'm behind in my return phone yeah, calls. So that's I apologize. no problem. That's no problem. I apologize, Joe. <laughs> uh, public apology. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that's the best way yeah. to do it. Publicly, we will thank you for coming on with us today. Um, we believe the roster is pretty close to set. No, we still got nine games to go. How good a job did Harry Roseman do putting this roster together this year, Joe? He did a very good job. Um, yeah, do us a favor, uh, but we can just about hear you. Um, oh, uh, there, there we go. go. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Okay, sorry about that. So, uh, like, like I said, I think he did a very good job. Uh, and he corrected on uh, a lot of mistakes that he made. Uh, what kind of gets me, uh, you guys both know this, is, uh, uh, I mean, Howie, Howie's like, uh, like a head coach in a sense, that he uh, gets blamed more than he should probably get blamed. And he gets lavished praise when someone that had praise uh, is also not deserved, only in a sense that uh, – Again, he's the one that uh, drafted Jalen Rager. Yeah, Over people forget that. Overdrafted Jalen Rager. Yeah, and he overdrafted uh, Ochega Whiteside. Um, he overdrafted these guys. And uh, again, like I said, lavishing this praise on him on, on getting rid of these guys. Well, first off, it's not Rager's fault or uh, uh, Whiteside's fault that they were overdrafted. It's Harry Roseman's fault that he overvalued them. Uh, and uh, he placed the Eagles in a situation that he fixed as he has done constantly throughout his career. I will say this, and this might be cringeworthy for both you guys, but if he wins another Super Bowl, are we talking Hall of Fame for Howie and what he's done and how he's constructed this team and reconstructed this team at a very difficult time? Boy, you're going. I get in trouble for saying Howie's the top five GM. You're going to get a lot of crap for saying Hall of Fame GM, Joe. Well, if, if, <laughs> if, if he wins, if he wins another Super Bowl. 
if you went to another show, I'll get you out of the, the hole you may be digging for yourself, Joe. How many GMs are in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, there's not a lot. Now you have they, to be they, the creme de la creme de la creme de la creme. Another Super Bowl is not putting Howie in that. Now they, they're changing it a little bit. They're being more liberal with it now, moving forward. So maybe it is a bigger conversation down the road. Contributors uh, are are being more valued, uh, and and there's an easier easier path for them to get in now. So maybe it changes for all the good GMs. Yeah, it's an interesting question if you get to. I mean, people look at it with quarterbacks. I mean, I don't think Eli Manning's even remotely near being a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's going to get in. Yeah, I guarantee in. it. He's going to get in. You know, uh, uh, you look at a quarterback like, I'll tell you what, you look at Joe Namath's numbers and they're deplorable. They're deplorable. But I know he changed the game. He changed the style of the game. He brought the game. But he's <laughs> makes you cringe. And I, I grew up as a kid, but you know, Joe Namath number twelve. Um, and don't get you. You're good. Well, I don't. I don't. We're we're going down a wormhole, but I love history, so I think Joe Namath is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I, you know, numbers wise, to me, like you can't gauge numbers of um, Joe Namath's era versus numbers today. I remember when Joe Montana retired, I, I tell Jody this all the time, 92.3. I had it committed to memory. You know, his passer rating was so unbelievable at its time. This is Joe Montana now, you know, one of the greatest uh, five quarterbacks of all the time, uh, all time, even if you want to be harsh uh, with his career. 92.3. Today, I think there were 14 or 15 quarterbacks left. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This year that we're above 92.3. So it's a completely different game. Guys like Joe Ken Stabler. Look at Ken Stabler's numbers. That guy's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. It was a different game, different era. Uh, those guys took a pounding. Um, I, I do think they were Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But when you win Super Bowls, 
it, it greases the skids. So if Howie wins a second, I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, I think I think he's already. And by the way, Howie's. Uh, you know, um, I don't know if I can advertise it, so I can't say that yet. But um, Howie's done a tremendous job of winning trades. So from a valuation standpoint, Joe, he always wins the trade. But I, I got into this with Sixers fans with Sam Hankey. Ultimately, it comes down to evaluating players. So you use the term overdraft. I don't necessarily like that term. He misevaluated on, on Jalen Rager. He misevaluated on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Isn't that the more important part of, of, of all of this? Because he's going to win trades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is. And uh, I did a little thing here. Let me take a look. I did a little research here on – try to look it up here. Uh, just been talking to you guys. Uh, and uh, let's take a look here. I broke down the NFC East, and I, I broke down the number, the percentage of drafted players on the Eagles – as opposed to the Cowboys, uh, Commanders, and Giants, I have to get used to saying Commanders. And I believe, <laughs> we all do. I still <laughs> I say Commodores more than Commanders. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys have more drafted players. Thirty-seven percent of the players uh, drafted are on their team. The Eagles are second, and this is based on again strictly based on the on the fifty-three that were uh, taken, you know, by the uh, on the. On the cuts on um, on the initial fifty three. On the initial, yeah, on the initial fifty three that that was released on uh, Tuesday. So um, take a look here. I have it here. Uh, here, uh, here we go. Uh, Eagles currently have um, uh, 30, 30 drafted of the fifty two, which is fifty seven percent. Dallas is 37 of their 53 drafted, which is 69%, uh, followed by the Giants with 50, 54%, and then Washington at 52%. So apparently he's doing a pretty decent job that he has 57% of the roster that are drafted players that are selected by the uh, town evaluators of the Eagles and by Harry Roseman. So that, that says something. Yeah, I don't think it says much. I think it says – Tell me who put together the bet roster. I don't care if it was trades or uh, like like if if Trey Sermon yesterday picked them up, he comes in, he helps them win this year. He's a non-drafted player. Do we give him less like give Howie less credit for that because he didn't call his name out on draft day? No, I give him as much, if not more, credit for being able to pick off somebody else's roster. So I I, I think that's a a loaded stat. All right, let's get back to this year's twenty twenty two Eagles team. Um, Jonathan Gannon under a little bit of a Klieg light this year. Everyone says he's been given more weapons. They've upgraded the defensive talent. He needs to be better than he was last year. Well, oh, by the way, he was pretty good. If you're going to ratchet up the expectations on him this year, how high or high? What What, what is Gannon going to need to have to be able to do to win over Eagle Nation? I think create turnovers. I think uh, putting on more pressure, we saw here with uh, various, certainly elite quarterbacks, the high number of success they had. I believe 
was it against the league quarterbacks? Well, I think it might have been 47 incompletions against top-level quarterbacks that the Eagles faced last year. So uh, he has more, certainly again, like you said, journey to deal with. And you would like to think there's going to be, with that, more confidence to turn around and maybe every once in a while tighten screws and maybe apply some pressure as opposed to this stand back and what do they call it, sticks defense right now. Um, he certainly has the linebackers to do it with. Um, they have depth on the uh, defensive line, and now with the addition of uh, Gardner Johnson, they certainly have stability at the safety position. So uh, the pieces are certainly there, uh, which again places the uh, onus on uh, Mr. Gannon to turn around and see what he can do with his pieces. Um, I think he played to his talent and what was available to him last year. And uh, again, John, you're down there pretty often. I, I don't know what he's tinkering with, but I understand there's been some tinkering. Uh, he's, he's giving different looks, different fronts. Um, people, I think, are still calling it, John, you and I have had a private discussion about this, a 5-2 look, which is really yeah. a, a three, which is really a three-five look. Well, which, yeah, you know, so it, yeah, my, my pet peeve is 3-4 versus 4-3. And which is kind of antiquated. I I can't even stand the Eagles put out their depth chart, you know, the unofficial depth chart, and they put Hassan Reddick under linebacker. Um, it drives me crazy because it doesn't educate fans properly to how these guys are playing. Um, so anyway, but that's one of my pet peeves. Um, there are multiple fronts, as most teams are. They want, I've been saying it forever, and you're going to see it. They run Vic Fangio's defense or an offshoot of Vic Fangio's scheme, as about 50% of this league does, including Detroit. So it'll be Vic Fangio versus Vic Fangio on week one. Um, and there's a lot of 5 2 looks. So if you look at it, there's going to be five people on the front on the line of scrimmage. They call it overhang players. You're going to have the two off ball linebackers, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White. That's their base defense. That's their base defense. And then most teams are in nickel anyway, right? So you're in nickel 65% of the time. So that's the more important defense. And when they're in nickel, they're typically, typically, not always, but typically in a four-man front. So 4-3 versus 3-4, it's like banging your head against the wall. It's like, who cares? Who cares at this stage? But old tropes die hard. You know that, Joe. That's going to be interesting to see again what he does with this talent. Um, there's a lot to do with it. And I don't think we've seen any any part of what he really is going to do with it. Uh, uh, everything that's going on during the preseason is certainly not going to show different things. Um, I'm surprised. Um, well, they, uh, Avion Taylor, now he they caught him and, and now he's back on the practice squad. Yeah, he's right. back on the practice squad. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that so, was I mean, a bit of a, a calculated gamble, but they were able to get him back. So the talented um, guy that I'll tell you what, the OLA tackle in Cleveland, he just <laughs> doesn't exactly help and shows me that there's still parts of the game that he needs to learn. Yeah, he's still a raw player. That's fair to say. Um, and he's taken a step back, I think. And that's the thing. You got to be consistent. You got to be consistent. Um but the Eagles, I think the expectations are tremendously high for this team. And I think there's the obvious pass that it can go wrong, which would be injury and the quarterback. So I'm going to take those two off the table for you, Joe. 
if this team underachieves, is there any part besides those obvious um, um, hurdles? Uh, Jalen Hurts has got to carry his water. You got to stay healthy. Everybody's got to stay healthy in the NFL. And the Eagles already lost Andre Dillard uh, for what's going to be at least a while. Um, Any other parts of this team concern you as we head towards week one? Crazy it may sound. If Joe, do us a favor. You gotta either you gotta either uh, speak more directly into the mic or pull your mic because we're missing about every second or third word. Got you guys. I'm gonna talk about that. Special teams. Special teams. Right now. Uh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Questions at punter. And again, do they have a certainty at punt returner? I don't. I don't even know who's going to return punts in Detroit week one. The the yeah. roster's filled because they picked up Trey Sermon. Um, I don't think Trey Sermon can return punts, but yeah. I don't know that for a fact. Um, so you you would have to cut somebody to bring up Britton uh, Cubby. Um, I don't know who's going to return punts in Detroit. Maybe Reno Mahe. <laughs> let me let me ask both you guys if they have to cut somebody. Who do you think they're going to cut? Because I know who I'm opting for. They make the decision the punt returner, the kick returner is not on this team, that they need Covey, that he has to come up. He has to join the roster, which, oh, by the way, they only have four wide receivers. Not that I think Covey is going to get all that many calls uh, to fill in. I think he's going to be pretty much solely a returner, maybe a couple of plays on four wide receiver sets. But who do you think they would take off the 53 to make room for a returner? Maybe Wallace? Kayvon Wallace? I think they need Wallace for week one because you don't know what C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I mean, they're going to throw him out there, but, you know, who knows how much of the defense he knows. I would lean towards more of our guy, Josh Navy Sills. That's the nickname uh, Jordan Mailata gave him, so he's getting nicknames. But you don't need 10 offensive linemen. Or perhaps Kyron Johnson, um, you know, deep, you know, you're not going down to your third um, overhang player. So I would think if they're going to make a move, it would have to be with those players. But, you know, Andre's got to go on IR too. Now, my assumption is LaRaven Clark is coming up. If they want to roll the dice and say, hey, Jack Driscoll is going to be the swing tackle, they could go about it that way and just use that spot as well. I apologize. I'm just kind of waking up, literally. What happened to Big Andre? He fractured, non-displaced fracture of his forearm in practice yesterday. He's definitely going on IR, but probably not season-ending. Um, so yeah, they're going to have to make a move there. And John's right. They could go with one less offensive lineman. I'll tell you who it is. So I'll ask you, John, cause you were down there yesterday. Were you buying what Nick Sirianni was selling on Ian book? Ian book? <laughs> no, but I don't like, the nor was I. I, I, I thought that he was just given the company line yesterday. We know that he's on record as saying, I can go, I can make by with two, get by with two quarterbacks. I don't need a third. That, to me, smelled of an organizational decision. Can Nick win that argument well, and go, listen, I told you, we don't need a third quarterback. And nobody's going to claim we can get booked through to the practice squad. Yeah. 
I, I mean, the part about Tommy Reese was real because they're they're really close. I knew that before. Tommy was uh, who's the offensive coordinator at Notre used to be the quarterback in Notre Dame for those who remember. Um, he was Nick's assistant with the Chargers at one point before he went back to Notre Dame. So those two are really close. That uh, that part of it was real, and obviously Tommy Reese talked up to Ian, Ian Book. Um, but I just don't see the high level traits in Ian Book. I mean, not he was a good, he was a great college player, great college player. But he's short, he's six foot, um, doesn't have a strong arm. I, I, I just don't see it. And and I, I agree with you, Jody. They could probably get him through waivers. Uh, but for what, you know, how he's in charge, man. Don't and he wants this, this is how he's fifty three man yeah. roster. Not and, Nick and, it is, and it is, of course, I got to remind you guys, it is a place to put back factory. Yeah. <laughs> we lost you again, Joe. What did you say there? I said, I said it is, of course, a quarterback factory. It is. Oh. And he likes that. And he's got Reed's in that, too, as well. So uh, they do have four. You got to restock the shelves of the quarterback factory. You always got to do that. But I like your special teams question. Not only the returners, as you mentioned, Aaron Cipas. The kick coverage was bad last year. It was all bad except Jake is, Elliott. Is, is it a matter of him being, uh, if I heard this correctly, a directional kicker? He's not very good at directional kicking. Well, last year, I think it was, I, I think people forget uh, Aaron was pretty good at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um I think their hope is he just wasn't used to kicking that much. Um, and maybe it's like a, you know, a pitcher on a pitch count and maybe he hit the wall and he had nothing left late in the season and they managed it better. I think that's the plan. I think that's the hope. I see Jody. Uh, you don't agree, but yeah, I'm no, just telling you. Here's, here's my uh, debate with that. If they got him on a pitch count, wouldn't you bring in another punter for the summer to also get yeah, some punting work point. in if you were trying to uh, claw back how much work you're going to ask Sippas to do? No, he, he made every single punt all, all year. Yeah, He's the fair only point. guy on the entire roster. Well, by pitch count, I meant, um, you know, when you get to 100 in the game and now it's, you know, s- sound the alarm bells. Oh, he can't possibly go to 101. Um you know, so more of stretching out uh, to make sure he can throw 130 instead of 100 would be. Well, then, then that's let me let me put this both to you two guys. How much of this falls on Michael Clay? He's a special teams coach. That's one of the things he's supposed to do. Oh, by the way, he's got a kicking assistant, Coach Brown, to be able to help him out. Yeah. Did they not Marlton's prepare Zippers for an NFL season last year? That just it seems like a blind spot. I mean, he paid attention to everything else. He takes attention to that. Uh, again, we hear others saying dead arm and baseball. The thing is a dead leg. I yeah, mean, did he suffer from a dead leg? You know, for half of last season. So, um, like everything about what Howie's done, um, they're, well, I've, I've said it. I've said it on your air. I mean, I, I think they're going to make a, a serious serious uh run um uh talking to some some gambling folks that i know uh 
they're still it amazes me they're still not convinced that this these guys they're still on the fence for nine and a half wins. Um, wow. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a gimme right now. I think they have a chance to steamroll over a lot of these teams. The interesting part of the season obviously is going to be late in the year. Uh, they have that three game stretch. I believe they're they're all all the all three of those games are away, but um, the pieces now seem to all fit. Um, I just have one question here: Where's Jordan Howard? And why hasn't any? Why, why hasn't no. the? Why haven't the Eagles come back? They're not bringing him back, Joe. They're not bringing him back. I mean, they want to get younger. Not, they want to get healthier. Um, he's banged up a lot. They got Trey Sermon. They got uh, the kid from the Jets, uh, Michael P. Ryan. Is that how you pronounce it, Jody? Um, so they want to, and you know, they they think that they can pretty much put it anybody with competency back there behind that offensive line and get the same kind of effectiveness. We'll see if they're right, but I understand why they want to get younger and, 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 a, and a healthier body. Cause Jordan was banged up a lot and he, and he, and he, and he's got, you know, nerve issues. So it's probably going to happen again. Um, so I get why they're trying to turn that page and remember nobody else assigned Jordan Howard either. So, okay. Okay. um, there, there's just, some when he was in, when he was in, it was pretty productive. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's what I think is, is baffling. But now when you pull back the curtain that, you know, that's understandable. Like good guy, good, you know, when, again, he's able to perform, but again, the greatest stability is, is, is availability. And, um, Joe, la- and- last one, last one for me. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a prediction one, not overall, not the Eagles, not nine and a half. Because it sounds like we all think they're getting double-digit wins, so nine and a half should be easy. No individual player. Yesterday, Fletcher Cox was named captain, one of the captains of the defense, and he certainly has earned that with the amount of time that he's put in the career that he's had with the Eagles. But I'm wondering about 2022. Kind of weird way the Eagles handled them this off-season. Cut him, took the big dead cap hit, then immediately returned, resigned him. And for $14 million, if you do that, usually like Jimmy Garoppolo, they redid his contract. Guess what? He's accepted being a backup. You get it. That salary cap motivated and the player and the team agreed to it. Fletcher's still making like top dollar money, but they released him to be able to take that cap hit money. I just didn't understand the whole way that went down, but they did it based on what they think Fletcher Cox is going to be able to deliver for him this year. What kind of year is Fletcher Cox going to have? He's going to have a better year. Uh, and, and, and Jody forgot the fact that they drafted his Jordan Davis. So they not only they cut him, they reward him with the contract, but then they replaced him. They turned around they drafted the very guy that's going to replace him. But uh, I think what Fletcher showed was uh, he's taken Jordan Davis under his wing, which some of us, including myself, doubted he would do kind of having an inkling of Fletcher Cox. Uh, I think making him captain um, shows a little bit more on his plate, invests more in his team. Uh, I think it shows, um, it also shows gratitude. I mean, this guy was a team member of that 2017 football team. Uh, it's telling him in a sense, you know, hey, uh, he's been somewhat vocal. Um, maybe this shows their confidence in him being even more vocal in that locker room. Um, I have suffered from a bias that would have went with, with Brandon Graham myself. 
Brandon's uh, captain too. Yeah, they got, Brandon okay. got two. Okay. They got Brandon. two. Uh, both of them got captain. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, now with that rotation up front with um, Fletcher Cox, uh, with, with with fewer snaps, I I like to think he's going to be that much more productive. He's going to be a key guy in that defensive line, that's for sure. Joe, as always, a pleasure, buddy. You know, we get John during the season. Thanks much for hopping in today. Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry about the audio, guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm shot in the head from, <laughs> from just waking up. So, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, listen, we'll you guys have a good next holiday. Next time we'll get you up earlier. We'll make sure you're <laughs> yeah, right. We got to get All right, that yeah. much you have a good holiday. You All right, thanks, Joe. Joe Stan, Joe Stan the Liquido. Um, yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, you could only hear part of what Joe had to say. Um, did sound like he just rolled out of bed and threw on his Maxwell uh, shirt right before yeah. it hopped aboard. But uh, we get, we got to get him up and ready earlier the next time uh, we get Sam Laquita on because we like having him on because uh, he's got strong opinions like Howie Roseman to the Hall of Fame. Well, Talk about putting the cart before the horse. Uh, that yeah. that was a bit. That's much. a little bit early, but he did say if he wins another Super Bowl, so I'll give him that. Uh, two, you know. Two, All right. Two. Well, I'll ask you off the top of your head because I don't know the answer. How many general managers are in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, not a lot. I'd have to look it up. Uh, you, but it you, is you. You stated it correctly that they are putting yeah. more contributors in yeah. over the last couple of years. So so. Whatever the percentage chance of getting in was, it is increased. Yes. It's still minimal. It's yes. increasing from like 2% to 6%. It's still 6%. It's not a whole hell of a lot. So, no, I I think that's – you want to say, if Howie Roseman wins three more Super Bowls, yeah, then, then we've got a conversation. I don't know that just two Super Bowls is going to get anybody in on the general manager side. There just aren't as many guys. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. Come back. More Eagles stuff to get to uh, about uh, 25 minutes from now. We'll have our second guest, uh, Chris Landry, who has been on the show before. We'll double-check his microphone to make sure it's good, <laughs> and he's ready to rock and roll when he joins us. Former NFL coach, former NFL scout, uh, now a football uh, analyst, and his website, LandryFootball.com, is a uh, must-use for you football fans out there. So Chris Landry coming back next. All right, when we return, I do want to ask John a little bit more about, yeah, we haven't talked about the quarterback much these days. Uh, he was named the captain as well. Talk about the captaincy. Bunch of stuff to get into with the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. 
plan your day with confidence. Definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand. And keep your family safe with action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Well over seven inches of rain. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising right now. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. On TV, on 6abc.com, and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you. Action News and AccuWeather. The team you trust. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the pulse. And the pools. Go for the ooze. And the oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Bird Street 65, McMullen and McDonald's. Uh, still got an hour and change to play to get today. Uh, coming up in less than 25 minutes from now, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, former NFL coach, scout, uh, done a lot of things inside the league and is one of the better film breakdown guys that we get on. Uh, he's uh, always got uh, good opinions on what guys can and can't get done when they get on the field. So, Johnny Mac, I want to pick up with you with, what the Eagles can and can't get done on special teams. Hey, real when, quick, before we get into that, Jody, yeah. I just want to Bill Polian, Ron Wolf, um, Jerry Jones is in, but not for that reason. Although um, he is the general manager of the yeah, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. You know it, I know it, and yes, Jerry will let yes, anybody watch that's, that's why I say his name, but he's in it for a different reason. Bobby Beathard. Uh, and then Gil Brandt, if you want to consider him as well. Um, it, discounting Jerry, that's four? Yeah. Four. Yeah. Okay. Howie Roseman's going to be the fifth? Uh, yeah. No, there, no, there'd be a guy be, two. There's a backlog. Him. There's a How, backlog you got to get through. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping. And for some reason, they didn't update their, their, their site. I don't remember. I don't think anybody was in the past couple of years, but. Um, no, I think those are the four I know. I think Vermeil was the only quote unquote yeah. contributor who got in this year, yeah, as, so, as a coach. Four, yeah, I'm not, not ready to elevate there's, how we there's a bit, that. there's a bit of a yeah. backlog, Jody. Bit of a backlog, yeah, a couple of guys who have accomplished a little bit more than Howie who haven't gotten in yet. And not, and, and you and I are Howie fans because oh, it's yeah. funny anytime you say anything that isn't the most uber positive about a guy oh you hate him 
No, neither one of us hate Howie. We both like Howie. We both think Howie's good. John's got him in the top five GMs in the NFL. I got him in the top ten. We like Howie. Just every once in a while, somebody jumps to a uh, uh, a level that you got to say, whoa, 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 I'm not going that far. Like, I got a uh, a tweet last night, J-Mac, um, when I mentioned that some people had, in my opinion, overestimated the addition of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Oh, yes. And I here. said, uh, if you listen to some people, it sounds like they added Brian Dawkins. Well, of course, there's a little hyperbole with that. So a guy hit me last night. Well, will you be eating crow on uh, Birds 365 tomorrow? Because I've seen no one compare him to Brian Dawkins, Joe. What the hell are you talking about? A guy who uh, I think you mentioned to me, you want to try and get on the show. I don't I don't remember having him on, um, but may, may have reached out. Ben Solak. Yeah, Ben from, was on once. But he yeah, was on I once? Okay. Him on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go back and check his Twitter. He, he had the Eagles he win in the Super Bowl because of the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, pickup. Yeah. And he's a respected national writer who I think overstated the acquisition. So I didn't make this stuff up. No. There were a lot of comparisons uh, to Malcolm because of the the Saints thing. Coming from you know, Saints. when 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 Kayvon Wallace came in from Clemson, people made the Brian Dawkins comparison. It's just the natural... Uh, way people lean and because Malcolm's a former corner who who came in from New Orleans I I don't know why people make these compare but they do it's bizarre to me um it, like I said he's an upgrade from an athleticism standpoint from a trait standpoint hopefully it works out but yeah I mean people are just over the top a lot of people we're not making this stuff up uh it, it, it's a nice trade, but now, and I, I'm, I'm the one who asked Nick Sirianni that question, and I'm like, which one is it with this coaching staff? I, I, I bring up the ten days, and Nick's like brushing it off. That's why we paid Jonathan Gannon a lot of money. That's why we paid Denard Wilson a lot of money. It's not going to be a problem. It's football IQ. And meanwhile, the guy who's played safety for seven stinking years can't pick up the defense, and he's playing the same defense. Uh, only terminology differences. Which one is it? Little, I, 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 come on. statement. I and and on the stream right now. Here's a perfect example. Um, Stephen Jackson. Stephen, how are you? Appreciate your uh, streaming into the show. Um, said to me about me. Nah, Jody, you're just always uber negative. That's not true. Always uber negative then a couple of uh people in between he says that's one person jody meeting ben solak you said people you're <laughs> in the word business well if i'm in the word business then Stephen, if you're going to comment here i expect you to be in the word business as well you just said always go uber negative one of these two hosts on this show has bet the philadelphia eagles to win the super bowl this year John, have you? No. You haven't. No. Oh, no. you know who that leaves? That would leave me. I bet the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl this year. But somehow, in the estimation of Steven Jackson, I am, quote unquote, always uber negative. Well, then why the fuck would I bet the Eagles to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> really? Come on. 
See, that's what gets my it just uh, it, yeah. I mean it, it it look, I go through this every day. I I with the CJ Gardner Johnson trade, I said it was a good trade, and then I added in the context of why it's not the best trade in the history of the world. And some people are gonna take that as negative. Some people are going to like it uh, and enjoy the context. Uh, but look, there are bands that only want cheerleaders. And I say all the time, they're easy to find. Go find them. You're not going to get them here. We're going to tell you what we think about this football team, good, bad, indifferent. Um, if if I think something is bad, I'm going to tell you it's bad. If I Same think here. something is good, I'm going to tell you it's good. I just said Howie Roseman, top five GM. People kill me for that. I, I told people, I say it all the time. After Miles Sanders' rookie season, no, he's not a superstar. Uh, now that the tide has turned, I said, what do I say about Miles? He's a good football player. It's not his fault. You guys overrated him. Um, he's still a good football player. Um, the expectations were just out of whack. Um, yeah, I mean – Context is what it's about. Not everything is great uh, all the time. Uh, right. Not everything and, is perfect. And I've been doing this for 30 plus years, so I get it. Uh, taking phone calls, uh, social media, you're on the stream. We can agree to disagree. Shoot, John and I don't agree uh, a good percentage of the time, which is perfectly fine. Just don't make it personal. Yeah, I just made it personal with Stephen Jackson because what he said was stupid. I'm not always uber negative. I'm negative from time to time. Like John just explained, I don't think the Eagles get everything right. If they did, they would win Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. This side of uh, Belichick up there in New England, nobody does that in the National Football League. Nobody wins every single year. So when the Eagles get something wrong, whether it's a Howie Roseman roster move, Nick Sirianni, uh, decision on a Sunday, play calling by the offensive corner, defense quarter, mistakes by the players on the field, fumbles, <laughs> intercepts. We're going to point them out. And that doesn't mean that we're haters. We're not haters. Neither one of us is haters. But to use John's analogy, neither one of us is cheerleaders either. We're not here to wave the pom-poms for the Philadelphia Eagles. When they do things well, when we like what they've done, when we agree with the moves they've made, Oh, we're going to give them credit. We're not haters, but we're also not cheerleaders. So just, I, I apologize for that. That, that got on my uh, nerves a little bit. The fact that people take what we say and they, they basically misquoted or, or, or misstated John McMullen on a scale of one to 10, what would you rate the Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner Johnson move? I'd give it a, a seven. I like the trade. I would, um, yeah, I'd go slightly. I'd probably say 7.5. Neither one of us is saying 10, but there are a percentage of the Eagle fans that think you have to go 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 on every single move that Howie Roseman and or the Eagles make. If that were the case, again, we'd be getting ready for the ninth consecutive Super Bowl the Eagles are going to win. And yeah. we know that's not the case. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm with you. I get frustrated at times because, you know, but to use the CJ trade as a perfect example, because that's the most recent one. Um, yeah, I got killed a lot because I said, eh, there's some issues here. I mean, and I, I've said it 
on the show numerous times already. 10 days to get ready. Nickel corner moving the safeties. Played 80 snaps at safety. Um, I think that's valuable information. Can he, can he, can he change it? Uh, can he turn into a really good player? Sure. Sure. Uh, but again, the Eagles, this is a projection, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. This is a projection by the Eagles. You know what was also a projection by the Eagles? J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Jalen Rager, players the fans don't like. Um, and I also point out with Jalen Rager, you know, fans who say he doesn't try and think, I think that's wrong. I defend Jalen Rager in that instance. Um did he perform? No, it's 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 fine to criticize his performance. Um, didn't live up to expectations. But the Eagles themselves, the Eagles drafted Jalen Rager, right? Jalen Rager didn't draft draft himself. They misevaluated. They misevaluated. Right. They got the projection wrong. They could get the projection wrong with CJ Gardner Johnson. I got news for you. If he can't play right. safety, he can't play safety. Right. It's all about positional change i think he's a talented player but is he going to fit in gannon's system as a safety that's what we got to see yet to see all right uh back to returner again with fear of being chastised for being too negative i'm not excited about the eagle return game right now as the roster sits nine days out it's amazing that the loss of jalen rager has actually lessen the returnability of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I can't even begin to believe that I'm saying that because Rager wasn't all that good at it, but he did it. And they've got no one on the roster who has been a significant returner at any point in his NFL career. Are they being fair to Michael Clay right now? What do you, what do you think they're going to do? I get it. The, the kickoff return in the National Football League has become – a much lessened of an importance because kickers just kick it out of the end zone more than anything else. But punt returns can still be pretty significant, and they don't have a punt returner on this roster right now. What is Michael Clay to do, Johnny Mac? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Have they been fair to him? Um, probably not from a returner standpoint. But kickoff return, as you mentioned, I don't, I don't care. I mean, they could put Kenny Gainwell back there. They could put Boston Scott back there. They could put Quez Watkins back there, uh, who did it at the start of last season, was even worse than Jalen Rager at it. Um, But you're talking about two kickoff returns a game uh, on average, literally. That's how many the Eagles returned, 34 last year. Um, So they're just going to kneel down, take it at the 25, or you you get that occasional return. The punt return is a bigger issue, as you mentioned. Um, and we'll see if they bring up uh, Britton Cubby. I don't even know if anybody can catch the football. Punt, punt return's a little bit different than kickoff return, obviously. And you got some funky punters. That's what Bill Belichick has done for years. Always likes the left-footed punter uh, because it comes off the foot differently. There's a different spin. And he'd get like one, two turnovers a year just from keeping a left-footed punter. Um, You know, it can be difficult. And there's no obvious choice on the current 53-man roster to be the punt returner. Kenny Gainwell, 
um, started taking reps as the punt returner in practice towards the end of camp. And he did not look comfortable catching that football, uh, Jody. Uh, Cubby can catch it. I don't know if he has any explosion. He was great at in Utah at the college level. I haven't seen it here in practice or games. But I know he can catch it. Um, maybe it's as simple as just bringing him up um, before the game from the practice squad. Other, you know, other then they're going to be in that situation. Was it J.R. Reed years ago uh, in Green Bay? Uh, um, Reno Mahe was the punt returner, and I wasn't here at the time. Um, I heard a bunch of writers talking about it. Um, I believe it was J.R. Reed. The Eagles went into a season. They they cut Reno Mahe. They they didn't have anybody to return punts. They threw him out there. He had a big muff, and Green Bay won the football game. I'm they don't have a punt returner right now. So unless they bring Cubby up, it's going to be cross your fingers. Let me let me throw one more name into the mix, and I don't know that he did any returning. Uh, during the camp uh, this year. And I don't, I can't say I remember him doing it, but I think I remember reading it. Zach Pascal, who we know the coach trusts, quote unquote, as a football player, quote unquote, he always does everything right. Catching the football on a punt would also be part of doing everything right. Is Pascal even in the mix for this as a potential returner? If he is, they I, he hasn't taken one rep. Not uh, one. Not one. Um, you know, they they rotate. They have quite a few guys taking punts throughout. Most of them are gone now. Um, catching the football in practice, not in games, but in practice. I did not – Zach did not get one, uh, one rep as a punt returner in practice. Um, now I wasn't in Cleveland, so maybe I, I doubt they did. They didn't do it in Miami. If so they haven't I doubt done it up until yeah. that point. I doubt they did it. You're right. Um, I just, just cause I know the coach feels the way that he does about the player. And if you're going to use somebody, you're going to use a receiver, a running back, a D back. Uh, you're not going to use a linebacker <laughs> you, you, almost by press. When you have zero punt return guys on the team, you have to eliminate guys and you go, well, here's our 53 mile roster. Who can we eliminate? Yeah. Zach would be one of the later eliminated guys for me. Just one. And he can, and he has very sure hands from that perspective. So I'm just looking it up. He has returned 26 kicks in his career. He has never returned a punt. Okay. So, all right. So he's done kickoffs when he was in Indy. Yeah. Okay. Um, 26, uh, 14 as a rookie, 10 the next year, and then one and, and one. So um, he has at least returned kickoffs. Um, he has never returned, never returned a punt. A punt. I just uh, think trying to think outside the box a little bit here. Um, I, I, I think Slay could do it. Um, if you want to think really outside the box. Yeah, but see, here's and, – and this is a question you always have to put in there. Can you afford uh, – you are quoting the Reed, uh, former uh, Eagles thing. I'll go even further back. Before I got to Philadelphia, which was 30 years ago, 
Jason Seahorn, defensive back, Giants, yeah, one of the best D-backs yeah. in the National Football League. They put him back there for it was either a kickoff or a punt with some kind of return. I don't remember. Broke his leg. And the Giants yeah. desperately needed him. He was their best defensive secondary guy, arguably their best defender on the entire team. And they lost him for an entire season because he got hurt. I even think it was a preseason game. If not, it was the first week of the season. It was very early in the season that uh, he got hurt returning a kick, and he was done for the season and screwed up the entire giant season because of it. Oh, no, I'm not risking Darius Slay. I am not putting him back there on a punt or a kick. His coverage skills uh, far outweigh anything he can do in the return game. I'm not. What's the chance? We're talking about one-tenth of one percent that he actually gets hurt. Oh, no, no, no. And, the, and, he, and who he, are we talking about here? The Philadelphia, we're going to protect our guys so they don't get hurt eagles. There's no way they're exposing Yeah, them. he might He might be the guy like Deshaun Jackson later in his career when he became a, a good receiver. When you need a home run, you might put somebody like that back there, but you're not going to do it consistently. Right. Um, yeah, ultimately, I think they just got to bring up Covey. Uh, from the practice squad and, and just let him catch the football, basically. All right, Johnny um, Mac, I don't think you and I have ever discussed this. I don't know why we didn't discuss it last year. If we did, I forgot. I apologize. The captaincy. Eagles yesterday named seven captains, three on offense. Because it doesn't matter. It's not hockey. We're not uh, getting the C on the sweater. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I agree with you that in <laughs> hockey, the captaincy is more important, but do you think it means zero? Because a couple of guys spoke on it yesterday and they didn't make it seem like that. He's the captain. So what? Um, how much gravitas does it have in the locker room? Um, Darius Slade was very, uh, um, well, the, the team votes on it. So I'm not saying it's meaningless from that perspective. Um, it's their teammates voting them as captains. Right. Um, so, yeah, it makes them feel good, but you know, you say, what does it matter on a percent scale? Two percent. It made Darius Slay happy, um, you know, and he took it as as a real honor, um, you know, because he's kind of a a jokester. So some people don't, you know take him seriously in that type of matter. You got to be a leader, but he's always joking around. So he's really excited that uh, his teammates um, uh, voted him a captain, you know, the quarterback, here's the issue. Here's the 2%. If the quarterback doesn't get voted by his teammates as a captain, then you got an issue, right? Then you got an issue. That's like draft day, Bo, whatever his name is, you know, not getting in Bo Callahan, not getting invited to somebody's birthday, whatever the crap that awful script was, uh, doesn't get invited to a party or nobody went to his birthday party. Yes, I, I was going to say, shame yeah. on you, John. You don't know the storyline. No, nobody went to Bo's party. There we go. There. Nobody went to his birthday party. That's the giveaway. If they don't vote you as a captain, rookies are a little bit different. They might not vote a rookie. So throw that out. But if you're a veteran, and Jalen's a veteran now, even though it's only – and he was a captain last year. but And he's a natural leader. You don't even worry right, about that. that that's why I'm not. Weird. Yeah, I'm not even – I'm not talking about Jalen Hurts. I'm saying other teams. If you have a veteran quarterback 
that isn't voted captain, you got issues. Yeah, understood. And there was never a question like that for the Eagles this year. Jalen Hurts was going to be one of the captains. Kelsey was going to be one of the captains. Uh, Lane was going to be one of the captains. I didn't know that Fletcher was guaranteed to be a captain. That's why I asked Joseph Santo Liquido the question about Fletcher earlier. He's, for me, he's a, a move the needle guy this year. They bring in Jordan Davis, which means he's going to play less snaps than he usually does. And that can go one of two ways. Either his production can go down because he's on the field less, or his production could go up because he's on the field less because he's got some downtime so he can catch his breath on the sideline, come and revitalize after sitting out for a play. I don't know how it's going to go for Fletcher this way. It could really go either way. He could be better playing less or he could be lesser playing less. It'd be a key guy as to uh, an Eagle player to keep an eye on this year. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jordan McDonald. Coming up next, we're going to get our bud Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, former NFL scout, former NFL coach. He's going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor. A pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted. Revered. Appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate. Honest. And fair. He is extremely dedicated. Motivated. And always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader. And we're lucky to have him. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We're just nine days away from the start of the season. Actually, we're less than that. We're six days away. We're going to go with the Thursday night showdown between the Rams and the Bills. Here to talk all things NFL with us with an Eagle slant. Always brings uh, great perspective as a former league executive. A uh, guy worked in the league for years. His Landry football website is as good as you're going to find. Talking about the National Football League. Chris Landry joins us here on uh, Birds 365. Uh, been a good couple of weeks, Chris. How'd your summer go? Uh, fast. It went pretty fast. Uh, it always does. I, as I'm getting older, it, the time's moving faster and I almost think, yeah, I'm ready for it, but I'm not really ready. I'd like to have a little bit more preparation time, but it's, it's always a great time of year to, to kick off the football season and got the college season week one this week. And then obviously the NFL starting next, as you mentioned, Thursday and next weekend, uh, going to be an interesting year as it always is. Always is, Chris, and we'll start it in, in Philadelphia because that's where we are. Mm-hmm. You've seen uh, a lot of 53 men over your time. Uh, you look at this Eagles group they put together. Uh, what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Well, are they I, a legitimate contender? Well, I think it's a, it's a nice roster. I think it's the, the thing that jumps out at me. It's 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 got pretty good depth on it. I like um, some of the versatility and some of the depth, um, the ceiling, don't know. I still think that if I look at the division, we'll start there. Cause that's where it all starts. Um, and I think they're deeper than any team in the division. And, and I would probably make them the favorite because, um, what's difficult is you don't know how the season's going to play out with injuries. And yeah. I don't really trust Dallas. And I don't think the giants in, in Washington are good enough. Uh, but beyond the division, I don't know how good this team could be. It really is going to come down to the quarterback and how good he can be. Um, I think that, you know, if, if it was a great team, which this team is not, then, you know, he, you know, he could be solid, you know, play good ball and, you know, you know, we'll see where it goes. I see there's some playmakers. I see there's some capabilities, but it really is going to go to the way to the quarterback and that'll determine the ceiling. I would say they're a team that's got a good chance to win the division. Um, you know, I, I, again, forecasting games, you know, that are going to take place in December, January is tough. But I, I would say that they'd probably be one of those teams, anybody that wins this division, um, probably not somebody that's going to advance deep, although I will say the NFC is a little bit more wide open. I think the AFC's. uh yeah, it's got better teams in it. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know that I like anybody in the East to really challenge as the best team in the NFC. That's the way I, I see it now. I'll I'll see going forward. You know if that changes, of course. That's exactly where I was going next. I think the NFC, in comparison to the AFC, is left wanting. That it just pales in comparison. Who are the teams in the NFC that you say? Well, the Eagles got a chance to win a division, but not go deep in the playoffs. Who are those NFC teams that you are 
suggesting have the kind of rosters, have the kind of depth, have the kind of talent that can go deep in the playoffs and end up in the Super Bowl out of the NFC? Well, I would look at, say, like, for example, in the West, I think the Rams have a better quarterback. I think the Niners have a better roster. I trust them a little bit more right now than I would the Eagles, although, again, things can change. Um, In the North, I'm not – I think Green Bay is kind of in that mold of it's Aaron Rodgers and, you know, would I trust, you know, them over green over the, the Eagles in a game? Yeah, I would, but because I don't, but I don't think the, the Packers roster is good enough to go uh, uh, that far anyway. Uh, I think the South is, is interesting to me. Um, it, it really depends upon the health of the offensive line for the Bucks. They're, they're good enough to be really competitive, and the Saints have a really good roster. The quarterback situation is a little bit of a concern, but if I were going to take the comparison, I think the, the Saints roster is better. They've got better pass rushers. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I would, again, in, a, in an NFC that I'm not really excited about jumping on the table for anybody, I still wouldn't put the Eagles as the two or three of the teams right now that I think – yeah, they're as good as those teams. I think they're below them right now. Uh, you bring up the Saints in that roster, Chris. So I want to put I, I want you to put your coaching hat on now more than your executive hat in, in this that the Eagles were able to get uh, a member of that talented Saints secondary, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, with essentially 10 days before the start of the season. Uh, he's played mostly slot corner, nickelback. The Eagles want to make him a safety. The Eagles want him out there week one. How difficult is it to get somebody in a new scheme, new building, new position, ready to go in 10 days in a modern NFL? Well, it's challenging, but it's what you got to do. What you've got to do is utilize him and what he does well. He does really good job in the slide. He's got versatility. So I think you, I think you, you, you don't have to like, there's not a simple way of, well, this is what we're going to do. And then it's, you know, turn on the switch. It's going to be a gradual process, but I think you, you know, there's some similarities I think in how they're going to play them relative to what he's done in the past. So I think the transition will be fairly smooth, but it's, I don't expect to have him to have his best games immediately. Good player. Um, like him, like him a lot. Um, from a roster standpoint, um, just from the Saints viewpoint, you know, why would they move on from him? Because uh, they've, they've got depth and, you know, they may end up regretting it, but they, I think, you know, he wanted to get a longer term deal and wanted yeah. to get a deal. And so, I, I, that wasn't going well. So I think they felt like, well, we'll get anything for him now because we're going to lose him in a year. Well, they may or may not regret not having him this year. Now, for the Eagles, I think he's a good player. But now, you know, they've, they've got to think, you know, if they get him, then it's probably going to cost them more than than they think right now to get a deal done with them or else it could be a short-term deal with the Eagles. So I, I think it's a lot of, you know, what does it mean to the team now? It really helps the Eagles. Um, it doesn't hurt the Saints a great deal, although it could if they start to have guys drop in the secondary. All right. Uh, I want to ask you about one of those teams you threw into the mix is NFC potential to go with distance uh, squads. 
and that's the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner is a bigger Shanahan fan than I am. I think he's a good coach. John thinks he might be the best coach in the NFC. I think he's actually put himself in a precarious position this year with the way he's handled the whole quarterback situation. I get they want to move on to Trey Lance. That's their call. They use a number three pick in the draft. You got to give him a shot at some time. You want to do it uh, cut and dry and move on? Go for it. But then to bring Garoppolo back, a guy who's taken you to a Super Bowl, a guy who's taken you to a championship game just the year before, if Trey Lance has a bad game, all of a sudden, it's going to bubble. You're a guy who's been around football teams before. I've followed him uh, from outside looking in. But you don't think there's a chance for a split in that locker room? The first time Trey Lance goes 12 of 26 for 186 yards and a pick and no touchdowns, you don't think that could be something that blows up in the 49ers' face this year? Well, I think that's why they did it. Um Jody, so so here's the situation that's a little different, and I don't think it's cookie cutter. This is a good roster. It's a good team, and it's not what out there their question marks. They're really good, and so they're not like a team that's trying to build towards the future that is, you know, not good enough this year. They're good enough to compete and win that division. Whether they will or not, I don't know. We'll see. So. The whole situation comes down to this, and I think they obviously moved up to draft Trey Lance for a reason. They they like him. They think he's the future. Time will tell on that. Uh, I, I think with Garoppolo, the, the plan was to trade him. Probably due a, a large part due to the injury, they couldn't get trade value for him. So as this has gone on through the process, you know, they said, look, Here's some of the things, and his agent knows that, Garoppolo's agent knows that. There's not a big market for him right now. So why don't we do this? You know, it's, it's let's restructure a deal. Who knows? We don't know what's going to happen. If you come in, Trey Lance could play poorly, Jody. He could get injured the first play of the game. True. You've got Garoppolo, and you still got a contender. It's not a disaster. And if you play well and you're like have a great year, look at this. You can earn all your money back. It's incentive late. But here's the other thing, too. We'll still look for a trade partner for you because somebody's quarterback that's a contender might go down the next four weeks. The trade is still in play if they have – so it, it to me, it's just not if people say, well, you've got to trade them, trade them. We can't just trade them. you got to have somebody that wants them. you got to get something of value. So what this does, in my view, it gives the Niners flexibility. It gives the Niners a guy they can turn to that they've won with that they, let's call it like it is, they think he's got a ceiling that's, you know, limited, pretty low, that they'd like better. But is Trey Lance ready now? I mean, it gives them insurance. And look, Kenny, you can lose the locker room for a lot of things. I don't think they will. I think there are a lot of people that kind of like Jimmy G that think he's pretty good. And, you know, and and I think people... See what Lance can do. Can he run the offense well enough? Look, I think they they teach the running game as good as anybody in football. Anybody. This is, this is a running team that's going to be able to marginalize the quarterback as much as you possibly can. You can't hide the quarterback. But you can run it. You can work those in cuts. 
easy route. So whether it's Lance who's trying to learn or whether it's Jimmy G who's got some limitations, you've got a you've got two now. And then if you get something of value, because again, if somebody goes down with an injury, they need a quarterback in the worst way, um, and, and their contender, they might they would get more than what they're able to get now. So I think it gives them a lot of flexibility. And I, I think I think they do a really good job. I think I think that I think that roster is really good. So that's kind of how I see it. I don't know how it's gonna play out. They don't know how it's gonna play out because it's not just as simple as look, if Trey Lance is the starter and he becomes great this year, which I don't expect that, but if he just he clearly is the guy well, they've got a veteran backup for a team that's a contender. What if Lance goes down and misses four weeks? You've got a guy you can turn to. You're a contender. You stay in the mix. So you've got that. If Lance is not ready and, you know, he struggles and you got to put Jimmy G in, well, the, the roster is the, 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 uh, the, the uh, locker room is going to want, you know, hey, look, we're a good team and he's not ready. Then you put the veteran in. You go with him. And then, you know, you, you – you know what you've got with Garoppolo and you know what you don't have. So I think it's unfair. There's some people that think that it was smart for a contending team like the Niners to hold on to Garoppolo. A lot of people said, why would you trade? Well, if you got something of value, you probably make the move. And, you know, I don't think it's your obligation as an organization to do right by the player. I think you do right by the team. But I think that they were trying to look and say, look, here's our guy. I, I think it's risky to say it's Trey Lance, and we're not looking back, and Jimmy G's gone. We're going to dump him for anything. I, I don't think that's a real prudent move. Personally, I think keeping him makes sense, provided they're able to do it. It did not make sense in my mind to have him on the previous contract on the opening day roster where you guarantee 20 Almost yeah. twenty-eight million. Yeah. That's yeah. where, to me, the Niners. I think they yeah. did the perfect thing for them, and we'll see where it plays out. But they've got they can go in either direction now. Uh, you piqued my interest with the 49ers, Chris, because uh, I I love their running game. I love the schemes. I I love the talent um, that Kyle is able to put together. So you, as a talent evaluator. And this is where I'll put the Philadelphia tent on there. When they give up on Trey Sermon, a third-round pick in 2021, what does that tell you? In that running system, with that success, is that raise a red flag to you? Here's what it tells me, and here's what I think you got to know about that. That I do not in any way want to want to minimize the running backs that have been in that system, but that is a – running back friendly offense. What it means is they'll just replace him with another young guy that they feel is as good or better. And they will do that consistently. If you look at them, the names change, but the production is still pretty good. I don't think he's a great back. I think he's a good back. I think he's versatile. I I, I think he can really help you in spots, but I think that, that the running back position for them is very fungible. I mean, they can move around that. So, what it tells me is they're comfortable with what they have and we'll just, you know, we're going to move on because we know second contracts for running backs are not going to be likely 
for the Niners. Because they, they only feel got like one it, year out of them, Chris. I know. That, that, and, and, that yeah. is the concerning part for me. I well, agree with you. With the yeah, they, they, I'm going to tell you, they like their other backs better. Okay? They like their other backs better. But it's fungible, meaning they can just – it can't just put anybody there. That's That's not it. But they, more than most, don't need that feature. This is not – the Titans and we got to just do whatever we do to get Derrick Henry. They, they can put a lot of guys in there. Um, what it tells you as an Eagle fan is look, they liked him and he had a good camp. They just, they like the other guys better and they feel the future might be better with them with these other guys. Now it doesn't mean they're right. So what does it mean for the Eagles is they've got a back that's got some versatility. He's pretty good. It's not going to light it up, but I think he can be successful. That's what you got. I mean, I, I wouldn't overthink it. It's, you know, this is not like, oh, there's anything sinister. He doesn't work hard. There's a problem or anything. I, I, I don't I don't sense that at all. They said he had a really good camp. Um, they said he played very well. They just like the other guys better. Chris, let me ask you about one of the other teams in the NFC. The Eagles will probably have to deal with if they make the playoffs this year. And that's the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Is it a media creation? Is it a fan creation? Are we just looking at the results and judging it and giving it whatever weight we think it should when statements like it's difficult to repeat are made? I know I've said it. I base it basically on there aren't that many teams that get back to the Super Bowl, even though you know they were good enough to make it the year before. That's what we base predictions on going forward for the next year. Well, how good were they last year? How good a roster did they have? But is there something to the mental aspect of been there, done that, got it done, had to invest every single ounce of emotion and focus, whatever, to get a championship done? Is it harder the next year? Or is that just something that a guy like me is made of? No, it is harder. I mean, let's go back into what I call the old days. You guys can remember, and a lot of people in the audience will remember. Some may be a little young, but <laughs> it was pretty common that Steelers were likely going to come back the next year. And, you know, I mean, those days you return the same team, unless yeah. you had an aging team that few guys that retired and you had to bring in young guys and there was a drop-off tape, but you pretty much brought, you could look at it and say, those are the teams that are coming back. What happens now is the better you are, it depends upon how your roster is structured. You usually, and particularly if you're a team that's maybe signed guys to one-year deals that make an impact to you winning, maybe it's a good pass rusher, maybe it's a, they're gone. They leave for greener pastures because they get more money. They take advantage of we won the Super Bowl. So you don't have the same team. You know, you're not repeating. There's no such thing as repeating. I mean, I mean, there's no such thing as uh, defending, Tim. You don't defend it. There is such thing as repeating. You don't defend anything. You, you, yeah. you won it last year and you start over this year. And, Jody, yeah, you, you're right. It's the core of the team may stay. But what about some of the key components that are not there? I mean, are they going to miss a certain pass rusher? You got Aaron Dono. And so now the other thing is, think about this for a second. We don't think about it enough. The, the regular season ends. Okay, you're, you're right around the, you know, holiday time, right around the first of the year. Season's over for teams that are, don't make the playoffs. The teams that 
go into the playoffs, that advance all the way to the Super Bowl, they're practicing and prepping the entire month of January, an entire month. Now, I know we don't put the pads on in scrimmage like we used to, but the offseason is shorter. Correct. So what happens if you're really good over time and you go deep, then you're over three years you've played almost an extra season when you throw it on top of that because you're practicing your, your preparation. So you combine the fact that it is – You've got a shorter offseason, body recovery. I just tend to see more injuries in the year after that because maybe your body is not as prepared. The other thing is we just talked about guys leaving. And then you do have the little bit of the, okay, we got there, we won it. Is the motivation just the same? You want to think it is. Everybody says it is. But there is a, I don't know, there's something to the fact that you may be really committed to winning it again, but somebody's trying to get that next step. So if you're like, if you're the Chiefs who've won one a couple of years ago and you're, you're kind of getting there, you're the Bills, or are they more motivated than the Bills? Or the Bills got a little bit more of a, we want to get them back. And, and you know, th- there's, I think all of those things are in the mix, Jody and John, and, and, and have an effect on, you know, repeating it's difficult there's no question about that and people will gun for you i mean they're got the bills you think the bills are i mean of course the bills and the rams are going to be motivated to start off the season with the win of course but everybody's going to be looking at that as a litmus we beat the rams we beat the team that won it last year it is a little bit you know more of you're a target than as opposed to can you work your way and win it i think that's a big factor I want to get your thoughts on those Buffalo Bills, the varsity, the AFC side of the bracket, Chris. Um, I think Buffalo has settled in as sort of the favorite. We'll see if they recover. That was a devastating loss, by the way. We'll see if they recover from that. Um, The AFC West looks loaded as a whole. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, I got to see a lot of talent on that team. I don't know if Tua, Jody's a big Tua fan. Um, give us your thoughts on the AFC and, 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 and maybe the favorites and some teams that could surprise. You know, I was, um, doing a show a little bit earlier. Um, and, and I thought about something and it came up and it, and it's an example of, as we go into the league and we're, we're looking at six. 17 games, excuse me, and the importance of them and everything. You know, that that was a difficult loss for Buffalo. You know what what comes to my mind, though, is how they lost to Jacksonville and how that game probably cost them home field advantage. Would it have been different? I I don't know. The game, the result might have been the same. But but it's little things like that. So for Buffalo, I think their roster is as good as anybody in the league. Um I, I think they the quarterback's outstanding. Took a took a big leap last year. Uh, like this team, you know, at all aspects, they've got to make sure that they finish. You know, they lost a game to Pittsburgh. That's probably you know that's a game. They, it, it looked like they were better, but you have to be better. Doesn't matter if you're better. You have to be the better team that week. You got to prepare. You got to be. There's a consistency because I think it's important to get home field event doesn't guarantee you anything it just it just puts you in better position so that's the thing with with buffalo can they the intangibles and the finish 
uh, is going to be key. The division is going to be fun. I am curious about Miami. How much better can they be? Um, they're explosive. Can, can they take that step? Uh, everybody's writing off New England. I think Miami's more explosive. New England's pretty good defensively. You know, the, the, the preseason is a disaster. Everybody's burying them. I, I wouldn't be quick to do that, but I'm very curious to see how uh, how that plays out. And uh, so I think the Jets are getting better. I still think that, that maybe New England and, and, and Miami are a little better. So that the East is going to be fun, are going to be fun. Uh, I, I really am looking forward to it, A, to see – how Buffalo, how dominant can they be? You know, can can they be a, a, a team in that in that division that just controls it early? I mean, I think they'll win it. But, you know, again, I think home field advantage, best record in the AFC is is kind of the – it's the second goal. Winning your division is the first goal. But but the process of that is, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was thinking about that earlier is, you know, can you can you sweep that division? Go five and one. Five and one will probably be good enough to put you in a position yeah. to win. Because here's the thing about it. If you're Buffalo, you're going to be really good. You you need to win the best record in the AFC. You got Kansas City in a tougher division. Going five and one in the West of the AFC Hard. is really, really tough. Yeah. Five and one <laughs> in the in the East, <laughs> you probably need to do that if you're Buffalo. Now there it's not, you know, the out of conference schedule. So I think that's that to me is what I'm looking at. And I'm looking at how much better can Miami could be. And then will New England slip or just be steady as she goes and not good enough. I, I, I think that's gonna be fun to watch in that division. Chris, last one for me. And I I usually try and keep a close eye on this. Maybe the answer is there isn't gonna be one. There always seems to be something that pops up in the preseason that the NFL tells us to keep our eye out for that they're going to call differently coming into the year, that the referees have been instructed to call differently, to emphasize, that's the word they use, put an emphasis on. And then they do it in the preseason. Everybody goes, no, wait, that wasn't a penalty in years gone by. And then they, uh, as the season goes on, they, they, they trim back on what they were calling in preseason. I don't remember any of that this year. And I no. am too big a football uh, geek to not watch preseason. Yeah, I do watch preseason. Makes me a football nerd. Fine. Did I miss it? Is there anything that's going to be affected early in the season? The referees are going to call differently. The people are going to be screaming at their TV about. Uh, no, it's really more of what they have emphasized in the past and how they're going to, you know, the what the college they call targeting, but leading with the head. Here's one thing, though, that jumps to my mind that they didn't say this, but I'm thinking that this is going to be brought up. And and it's always reactionary, I know, but it is something that that college has adopted that I think the NFL might because everything is safety. Um, the, uh, the, the, the play in the Cincinnati game, basically it's the what's called the low block within the tackle oh, box yeah, is allowable. Yeah. That is that, Moss, right? That, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, right. That is legal where it took place. It is not legal outside the tackle box. I In college, it's illegal to do that, and I think that is something they'll look at, but I don't think it's going to be to your point. Be emphasized because it's the rule is the rule. What I'm saying is I think that's something they'll look at and say – 
a lot of traffic there because everything they do is to safety, right? And I think right. that's something that they'll look at. That's the only thing that I see, but that's not going to be emphasized. I think that could be studied and looked at. And I don't know. They may, you know, say, no, we want, we like it where it is. But I think this offseason, uh, they'll look at that. Yeah, uh, Thaddeus, uh, Thaddeus Moss. I think a lot of tight ends, Clay Harbor, the ex-Eagles tight end, said, hey, we're taught to do that. That wasn't a dirty play. No, it, it was wasn't dirty. Good. It yeah. wasn't dirty. It was absolutely right. And yeah. and that's, But that that is, I think, my point, or maybe their point is, look, it's dangerous. It's uh, let, Let's take it out of if, – yeah. if it's illegal at the other parts of the field, make it legal here. Because then what it does, it's judgment. Now, that was pretty easy. But you get a little bit in the tack about it. I just think that's something, my experience with them, that'll be something that they'll look at. I don't know what they'll decide, but I think they'll look at it. Chris, great stuff. We appreciate it. Whenever you come on the board, you give us a different perspective. We like to get people from outside Philadelphia every once in a while to give us a different perspective. You always do. Uh, We're going to let them get a month or so under their belt, get the games played, everybody else uh, get a feel for it. Then we want to get you back on again. Uh, we appreciate you jumping in with us today. Thank you much, sir. Hey, thanks to, to you and all your listeners. Appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. Take care. Uh, thanks, Chris. Thank we you. will get you back up about a month from now. Uh, I always enjoy having Chris on. Check out his website, LandryFootball.com. His podcast, he gets guests on his show. Uh, we appreciate whenever he comes on. He does look at things a little differently. I like having guys on who've had in-league experience like Chris Landry has. All right, J-Mac, J-Mac. Coming back, we still got to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor. A pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted. Revered. Appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate. Honest. And fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader. And we're lucky to have him. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, Jay Mack, we only got a couple of minutes left. I got to stop reading the stream. I really do. Uh, I'm just going to make myself nuts. Someone earlier put in quotes, Jody McDonald said, Howie Roseman needs uh, how, every move Howie Roseman makes is a 10 out of 10. No, I didn't say that. I said other people say that. I don't yeah. say that. John Mack uh, Mullen doesn't say that but they put in quotes as if I actually said, no, I was quoting someone else when yeah. I said that. Yeah. You um, got to stop. You got to stop. You yeah, I can. It, you it can. makes me nuts. And I apologize yeah. for it. Uh, but even that being said in fear of, again, ticking off uh, Eagle blinder guys who wear it every single day. I'm on record as saying opening week against Detroit nine days from now, the Eagles will win by double digits. 10 out of 10. 10, out, 10 of 10. out of 10 that they'll win by multiple touchdowns. I'll go eight and a half out of 10. I think they're going to win by 14 or more. As a matter of fact, however, there is now one thing, you know, you get that nagging little feeling. Yeah. The it's the NFL, baby. I thought you can talk yourself into anything in the NFL. Everybody's here's, got good players. Here's what scares me about that opening week game. The unstoppable Nate, Nate Sutfeld. Yeah. Nate. Despite Nate. the fact that, and we got one more, uh, uh, what's the HBO show again? Why can't I think of the name? Uh, hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. We got one more Hard Knocks episode to go. And David Blau, the backup quarterback, is David one of the Blow. guys. That they... what? David Blow. That's how you pronounce it. You uh, sure about that? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was that's a, That's a rough life for David. Yeah. <laughs> if it were, I would change it, but that's just yeah. me. Um, Chances are Nate doesn't see the field, and I don't even know that he's going to be active week one. But I just got this little – it's a crick in my neck. It's a thing that's fine. Maybe because I believe Jeff Laurie that he is the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld. <clears throat> if Nate Sudfeld – let me put it this way. If Nate Sudfeld is inactive for the game, Eagles win by two touchdowns. Nah, he's going to be the backup, man. He's going to be they, – they cut Overblow? David. Yeah, they cut David Blow. David's on the, the Minnesota practice squad now. He's out of town. Um, Nate Sudfeld's the backup, uh, oh, and he's going to be there. How did I miss there. that? And by the way, that uh, blows. Nate, <laughs> Nate Sudfeld uh, still holds the Eagles' uh, completion percentage record, uh, and, and and that's why Jeffrey called him the unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah, I think he completed nineteen. Out of twenty-two or twenty-three, but um, for how many yards? A hundred, I think, a uh, hundred five. No, I'm exaggerating, but yeah, hundred twenty oh, something. I think it was less than that, John. No, I think it was one twenty something. 
but I have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, either way, not impressive. Unstoppable. Good guy, uh, though. Tremendous trash can basketball player. Tremendous. Really? Oh, yeah. Did not, did not know that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he does scare me a little bit if he gets into the game. We shall see. All right. Uh, we got all next week to prep for it, buddy. Uh, you got uh, weekend off, uh, back to practice? No, practice I don't have weekend off. Well, yeah, the Eagles have the week. The right, Eagles you don't players. have to head across the bridge. Yes. Is the point uh, Eagles players collectively bargained. Uh, they will be off. And then we're into game week. Mm-hmm. And we won't be here Monday on Jacob Sports. So everybody enjoy their Labor Day. Have a great Labor Day. We'll have four shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to get you prepped and ready for the victory over the Lions, which is now just nine days away. How's that, Eagle fans? The the always pessimistic. 10 out of 10. I'm only at uh, 8.7 out of 10. 10. 10 the Eagles I'm 8.7 out of 10, so I'm the hater. I'm the hater. All right. Johnny Mac, the hater. Jody Mac, the hater. We're both haters, uh, according to some. Uh, thank you very much for streaming in with us today. Uh, we will uh, be back on Tuesday next week. Happy Labor Day Monday, everybody. Coming up next, Rick Saratelli here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.